that was the second time I got crabs. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, the first time I was still thinking about that. That was freaking hilarious. <laughs> I still haven't seen that movie that part in Super Troopers, right? I still haven't yeah, seen it. Yeah, it is. Part. That's like the best scene. Uh, I, I do need to watch that. I, I might have to pull that out tonight. Now no basketball's going on. Damn it. Let's start the show. What up, what up, what up? Welcome in another episode. Brad Adler, what this is, my man. This is what you heard. Uh, we established the NBA. It's over. Damn it, that was a fun playoff series. If you liked it, if you didn't, sucks for you. But we enjoyed talking about it. We enjoyed the new basketball, seeing fresh faces. And we go great from great, like, feel-good stories about Giannis and the Antetokounmpo's, the first family of the NBA, three NBA champions in a two-year span, never been done in NBA history before, to the atrocity that is USA basketball. Yikes. They just lost to France. I'm like, okay, so they lost to Nigeria. In the prelim, we were like, okay, they don't really care. It don't mean nothing. Game one, they come out and they lose to France. And I know what your argument's going to be. Your argument's going to be, well, they don't play together. It's international basketball. Our guys are doing different things. I'm going to let you talk, but I'm going to debunk your argument. I mean, I don't really have anything to say other than I think the rest of the world's caught up to us a little bit. And the way we approach our roster isn't really practical practical because you're basically just throwing a bunch of all-stars together nobody else's rosters are like that you look at other teams like they have those key two three guys and maybe that's all their country really has but the supporting cast is a lot more sound they do the things really well that they need to do we basically got 12 guys that, that can all score 30 on any given night now you have them being hesitant about putting up shots in certain moments because they're trying to play you know, the pop way. And it's not really manifesting for us the way we thought. I think it's really time after this Olympic for them to look at things and be like, instead of grabbing all these all-stars, like I have no problem grabbing a six man off this team because what he can do with a second unit, him knowing how to work with those kind of situations, that's something we should explore a little bit more. Do we have three and D type guys? Do we have defensive specialists? Like, I don't know if this team so has any of that. Bridges just a lot should of be ball. playing for USA basketball. I think you have to consider making rosters that way for sure moving forward instead of just lumping together your best superstars who a lot of them do the same thing literally we treat the olympics like it's a travel aau team and so like i grew up playing aau basketball we had team a team b i was not good enough to be on team a i played team b we would go in we were a good team we were a team though we would win we play really well then for the major tournaments team a would fly in show up and dominate shout out greensburg gators um (laughs) but look at it france so the argument, once again, you said it last time. I'm just bringing it up because I'm just going to make you take this line of questioning. The French team, only one player actually plays a professional career in France. Other names on said French team, Frank Nedelica plays for the Knicks. Timothy Lawawu Cabaret. Who does he play for, Brandon? I The G League something. You shouldn't mean no it's idea. the Brooklyn Nets, the team you've been all over for like a Dude, three years. How, how many minutes does he get? Don't worry. He beat America. Nicholas Couture with the Clippers. Rudy Gobert with the Jazz. Evan Fortier. They've got four NBA players on their team. So this whole argument that, like, Americans, our players just aren't together. Our players are at least more likely in the same country. Where you take a look at France? One, two, three, four, five playing in America. One, two, three, four playing in Spain. One playing in Greece. One playing in France. Last best hope for American basketball this summer. You know what it is? Robbie Hummel and three-on-three. Let's go. I'm pulling for three-on-three to get the goal. That's all we got right now. I have no comment at all. New segment. 
Okay, okay, I'm just saying. We'll see what happens next game. We'll see what happens next game. But they lost to France the first time they lost since uh, the AI years. Don't it is do what it that. is. Don't it is what that. it is. Hey, Don't look, do I, that. Am, am, am I speaking the truth or am I speaking facts? <laughs> new, new truth or facts? I'm in denial. I'm in denial today. Let's not do this. Okay, Pelicans Grizzlies trade just came down to the NBA draft <laughs> is this week. Uh, Kate Cunningham's going first. Surprise, surprise. We've known that for the last yep. like 13 months. I have no clue who's going second. Really don't care. Um, Memphis is getting Steven Adams, Eric Bledsoe, the 10th overall pick in 2021. A first-round pick from the Pelicans in 2022. The Pelicans get Giannis Valanciunas and the 17th overall pick this week, and they're exchanging second-round draft picks. Um, I saw this. I think Memphis got better. But actually, the first thing that came to my mind wasn't even – Memphis and the Pelicans. It was actually the Bucks and the Suns. And this this finals was the Eric Bledsoe finals. Remember he tweeted out in Phoenix, I don't want to be here? Mm-hmm. Then went to Milwaukee, helped to win two times Eastern Conference best record. And then they trade his ass and won the finals. So you got to think, how shitty of a week has it been for Eric Bledsoe? The last two teams you played for just competed for our finals. And then this week you get shipped off to Memphis, which will be in the playoffs next year. Right. But you're backing up yeah. job. I honestly like I don't think this trade's really that impactful. I don't think it's gonna have like a whole lot of change on the Western Conference or in general. The only thing that stands out to me here is I'm really nervous the Pelicans are gonna do exactly to Zion what they did with AD. And what that is is kind of overreact, make a lot of moves, try and surround him with some people that could potentially help him win now that are never gonna get him close to winning. And then once his contract, you know, is up and he's able to make some other moves, he's going to look around him and be like, there's really not near enough here. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when I can just run to L.A. and probably get a ring based on their free agency moves after they move on from LeBron and A.D. Um, Honestly, that is literally the only thing that stands out to me here. And maybe I'm being a little bit over analytical, but I I don't really understand what the Pelicans are doing. Pelicans are trying, uh, according to ESPN, they're trying to free up some cap space. But it's not a destination. Zion isn't a generational talent where named free agents are saying, I want to go play with him because I can win now. If, right. if anyone is in a win now mode, they're going to three teams, Lakers, Clippers, Nets. That's right. just it. DeMar DeRozan was talking to Shannon Sharp about how he would go play for Lakers. He's an L.A. guy mm-hmm. uh, being from South Central or Compton, I believe. But that, those are the only three. No one's sitting at home like, you know what? I really want to go play for the Pelicans. I might trade Clippers for Golden State, though, just because, you know, Kawhi's probably out for the whole season or at least a lion's share of it. I don't see PG holding them for the whole season. Golden State obviously getting Clay back. They got quite a bit of weapons there. If I'm considering three teams, it's L.A., Lakers, Brooklyn, Golden State. Respect. Respect. I give you that. I give you that. Um, So we'll see what happens with the Pels and the Grizz. But the whole time when I read that trade, I was like, damn, man, you're talking about Eric Bledsoe, <laughs> like really catching hell for the last week. Like, bro, both teams said you was the problem. Right. And they both I mean, went that, to the finals. That was kind of his MO. He was Kentucky dude, right? Wasn't He was like part yeah, he was of that. Yeah, he was Kentucky guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember people kind of having the same sentiment about him them that he wasn't exactly the most cohesive with the team, that he's a little bit more about Eric Bledsoe than anybody else. He had the best tweet ever, though. Like, I don't want to be here. I can use that tweet so many times in my life. 
there's so many places I don't want to be. And I, that tweet spoke to me. It was just a handful of words, but it said volumes about how I think about places. And I really wish yeah. I could just tweet that out. I don't want to be here. We'll just make that your next, like, out of office, you know. That might message. be my last time sending a message in that damn office, too, boys. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, speak. Hey, I've look, seen man. screenshots of some amazing ones. Maybe, maybe that that's got to be a future. We need to bring back the AOL uh, away message. That's what we Facts. need to bring back. That Facts. was. I spent entire nights. Well, not entire nights because that was pointless. I spent at least a good hour, half of my day in college, thinking about what the hell I was going to put on my aim to let these people know what I was getting into tonight. And where they could find me at? Mine was always bars. I, I don't think it was ever like a straight up status of like, I'm doing this, this, and this. It was always like, usually four to eight bars from a rap song or whatever song I was feeling for the moment and just kind of left it there. So the funny thing is I eventually got two bars. It wasn't a, an, an initial thing. And I've since carried that over into my Instagram. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when I post pictures, I always hashtag lyrical vacay. And people are like, where do you get that from? I'm like, I'm too lazy to think of a caption. <laughs> like, I can easily explain this picture better in someone else's words than mine. And it makes sense. Right. So that's, right. that's, that's how it started, was I used to put bars in the aim away message. But at first, I would sit there in physics 102, because I wasn't that smart at NC State. And I would literally sit there and be like, all right, I'm trying to do this this weekend. What should I put in this away message? I respect it. It's been a, a long-standing strategy here as well. I'm just so glad we're past the whole Black Eyed Peas like album titles on Facebook, though. That was for about two, three years. It was the most unbearable thing. After Did you know I, de- like I, I despise the Black Eyed Peas with a passion? Did I tell you that? I, we have talked about that before. Okay, good. I, I, I hate them. They have done nothing for me musically. Especially after they got I, Fergie. Like, they were kind of rappers for a second. But, I mean, everyone's like, Will I Am's doing this, and I'm automatically turned off. Like, I hope it fails. Yeah. I, I mean, we got to a point, I feel like, around 06, 07, where that was pretty standard. And then being in arenas all the time, tonight's going to be a good night. That was the title, every wedding. Like, somebody, a friend would have a wedding. And then there'd be 13 photo book albums that Sunday night, like everybody uploading the same pictures from the same weddings, the same exact title. Shoot me in the head. I'm not judging you, but I'm judging you. That's a demographic thing. <laughs> my people were not doing that shit. <laughs> I'll tell you right I'm now. A, I'm my a product of my environment. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, fun times, weddings. I assure you, when I get married next year, we are not playing Black Eyed Peas. Um, Hard request at every wedding I go to. Last song of the night, Mambo Number no. Five. If you can make it happen, I love. Hell no, I ain't playing that, bro. Wait until you see the reaction when people are lit at the end of the night and a song like that comes on. You Once will see again, family members. I, I, I you tell will... you, there's a demographic difference. Stop. There's no. I put that way. on. My Mambo cousin's gonna look at me like, universal. please. That is. I, that's not black white thing, is it? Black people don't yeah. know Mambo Number no. Five. Can we get a poll? Can we get a poll? Yeah, yeah. We're going to bring that up later in the show. We're going to bring up the polls later in the show. Don't y'all worry. Right. Y'all hold on to it. We're going to bring that up later in the show. We're getting to the NFL now because Brandon's main love is the NFL. He's addicted to fantasy football, doesn't believe in watching games. But Aaron Rodgers reportedly is showing up to work this week uh, because, let's be honest, he was going to have to pay, like, what, 50K a day? Something like dumb like yeah, that? Yeah, 50, yep. 
but he's in talks with the Packers. And this is how you know you have great control at work. When you can tell them you're not coming to work, you all do the shit I tell you to do, and I might come back to work. That's the power we all should strive for in our employment situations. Uh, he is reportedly going, or a deal is imminent to get him back. Per the deal, the 2023 year of his contract, which is the last year of his current deal, would be voided, and they can't franchise hack him. In essence, this would be the last year for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I, I mean, everything that we hear is like speculation or hearsay from Adam Schefter, et cetera. And it's like, we don't know what's really transpired there. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers is extremely annoyed with the Packers front office, and it doesn't seem like he's the only one. Feels like when the new regime came in that, you know, they maybe lost a little bit of that trust with the players. Uh, I mean, look, AR is probably the greatest quarterback out there physically. Tom Brady obviously is a completely different beast in his own, but how you even put yourself in a situation to alienate somebody like Aaron Rodgers. And like, I get, he does seem like a little bit of a sensitive guy. This isn't he's the first time character. that he's a unique, he is, he is. I wouldn't say like, he's like overly sensitive to a point where like he's being a bait. I don't get that about Aaron Rodgers at all. I think he's one of the few players who calls it like it is and isn't afraid of being perceived as maybe a little bit sensitive because of those things. Like I think, you know, integrity is a big thing for him based off how he's carried himself. End of the day, he's top three quarterback, arguably two, and he's not two. And, you know, Packers are going to have to make it work. Otherwise, you know, the fans will still be there. Team, you know, whether Jordan Love's ready to step in and be that guy, nobody really knows yet. But there's just no way you want to deal with that media backlash. There's just no excuse for it whatsoever. If you're the front office, I think you got to, you know, grovel a little bit and be like, you know what, we need to make this work with you because our best chance at getting another ring isn't with Jordan Love in the next few seasons. It's with you right now. Oh, not at all. You tank if you're going Jordan Love. So it says as part of these ongoing talks between Rogers uh, group and the front office of the Packers, there will be mechanisms in place to address his issues with the team. What the hell does that even mean? Once again, this is the kind of leverage that any employee should strive for when they're going to work somewhere. It's like, after I've been here for two weeks, I need to tell y'all, I think about that episode of Seinfeld uh, with Festivus, with uh, George's dad. I got some real problems with you people. <laughs> like, I, I would love to go into work and tell people how I really feel, right? Like, just pull well, up and you, it's like, you know what? Y'all messing with the right one today. Sit on down, close the door. I got something to say. The but difference I got bills. Between I can't do that. Us and Aaron Rodgers, though, is Aaron Rodgers literally brings in Report. millions and millions Report. and millions and millions of dollars. And he's been doing it for almost 20 years. I 17 think any seasons. Of us- this will be a 17th season as a quarterback, or 17th season, excuse me, with the Packers as a quarterback, not necessarily starting every year, of course. Uh, the longest mm-hmm. ever in Packers history, even more than Brett Favre. So we'll see how that goes. Staying with quarterbacks, the quote of the week. Oh now, my look, God. It's, it's a great quote, right? It's a fantastic quote. It's the dumbest quote ever, but it's just <laughs> great. Gardner Minshew, Mr. Uncle Rico, and I'm going to be the quarterback of the Jacks. He said this week, in preparation of going into camp and battling the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, Gardner Minshew said, I haven't taken a shit in weeks. Number two isn't an option for me. Great quote. Dumbass statement. Very, very much. But we know after the memes were set on fire last season, there are some big Gardner Minshew fans. 
And I expect this to be on a t-shirt before the season starts. And I expect that exactly who you think would wear that shirt will probably be wearing that shirt. And the funny thing is, I expect Gardner Minshew to be wearing a t-shirt later this season because he will be inactive in that play. Yeah, very likely. But great quote. Dumbass great statement. Quote. But a great, <laughs> great quote. Um, we're going to go to the culture a little bit because I – the one thing that I appreciate about the pandemic was like influencers had to sit down. Last April was a golden time for social media because people couldn't go anywhere. So the people capping about what they were doing and posting pictures of a lifestyle they didn't have, those were the same people on Cameo asking you for $10 to say happy birthday. Right. And so I loved it. I, I genuinely loved the influencers having to shut up. Fast forward to now. And it seems like Everyone is at Rolling Loud in Miami and the Kanye Donda performance in Atlanta in the same week. And I'm over it. I am. I sound like an old guy. I, I'm well aware of that. But no, I'm actually, you're not. Funny thing, um, in my job the last couple of years, a big part of what I've had to do is just like a lot of Gen Z, Gen Z, geez, Gen Z research. And one of the biggest pieces of insight that comes from that is like, they're not interested in FOMO. They find nothing interesting about seeing a hundred of their peers show up to something and post something and makes them feel like they're missing out on anything. They actually turns them off big time. So you're ahead of the curve. Look at you aligning with the new generation. I've been trying to tell you I'm ahead of my time, bro. It's like the nope. stuff okay. I say. I wish I never said that. To now. fruition. Look, how many times <laughs> do I say stuff and it's seriously like a year later it happens? You, I still keep saying you, I'm going to win the Powerball. That shit hasn't happened yet. Uh, 1996. Changing subjects. How old were you in 96? 13. I would have turned 13 that July. With your old ass. I was 12. I turned 13 in November. But, you know, I love reminding <laughs> you, you're older than me. Modern Notoriety, which is one of my favorite follows on Oscar Instagram. Castillo, what up? It's one of my favorite follows because, like, it sets stuff and posts things that, once again, it's not the same meme, not the same statement, not the same picture like i can't see complex espn bleacher report br kicks br gridiron usa basketball all all post the same thing it gets redundant and annoying stop it so anyway modern notoriety posted a great picture and it says 96 was fire and it listed off the shoes that came out in 1996 and this means a lot to me because like i was 12 years old turning 13 you were 13 playing basketball getting into culture so like when you were going, for me growing up in Greensboro, going to the east side playing basketball, I would see a lot of these shoes. And so they, mm -hmm. they have 12 shoes that came out in 1996. Jordan Retro 11, Scottie Pippen Up Tempo, Gary Payton The Glove, Grant Hill Fila, Nike Air Raid, Deion Sanders DT Max, The Pennies, Charles Barkley's, Converse 96s, Ken Griffey's, Jason Kidd Zoom Flights, The Dennis Rodman Shoes, and... <laughs> If, if you all can't remember, I'm going to put it on my Instagram at Jason Spells. But I looked at this and I had like four of these shoes. Mm -hmm. And I love, you can keep the Converse All-Star 96, but like I love every other of these shoes. Yeah, I think I had four of those as well, if I'm not mistaken, just looking at this list again. I actually didn't wear Jordans as a kid. I was a much bigger Pippin fan, so I had the air more up-tempo which is what they're calling the Scotty Pippen up-tempo. I had the Penny Hardaway 2 that's listed on there. 
um, also the Rodman Indestruct that's on there. The one that I feel like they're really missing on here, though, is the Reebok question. Like, that was such a pivotal shoe. And also, the Nike Air Raid definitely didn't come out in 1996. I don't know if there was a retro release or a different release, but that shoe was 92 or 93, if I'm not mistaken, because that was a big part of their blacktop, like, outdoor basketball push that they had done and also was kind of one of the influences of the Jordan 8, which shares a very similar double strap over there. Whoever put this together, I know it wasn't Oscar. I know he's sharing this meme from somebody else, but that night gear rate is definitely not accurate. But these are some of the most iconic shoes. And I mean, you look at what Ronnie Fine's done with Kiff, like 1996 was very specifically a big year. So the Grant Hill Felas, I actually had those. Uh, they look better now than they did then, but shockingly, I don't even know why I had the Grand Hill Felas. I had the Jordans, I had the Uptempos, I had the Griffies, and the Griffies re-released last year. I wanted those so bad, I didn't get them. I wanted them, I didn't get them. My older brother had the Charles Barkleys, and I stole them from him. At the time, we wore the same size shoes, so like I could get away with it. And so I just looking back, and just y'all see the picture when I post it. It it, it takes you back. It does, especially if you're kind of the age group we are, where you kind of remember that moment where you're paying more attention to shoes. And when Gary Payton had those gloves and he unzipped them, that damn near set everybody off, right? Like, you you come off the court and you unzip your shoe? Come on now. Everyone thought that was fire when that dropped. So you'll see it, but I thought that was just an interesting post. And uh, it, it took me back a little bit. Great nostalgia. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's probably one of the strongest years for Nike basketball and just basketball in general. Like, I think if anybody were to start building a sneaker collection, you're like, what are some basketball shoes I should get to get going? This list is probably one of the better, you know, starter kits, so to speak, that you could have. Quick question. You mentioned kids doing an Olympic capsule. And usually, uh, I always joke that there's always a line in New York City at the Kiff store. It never fails. You go there, there's a line to get in. People are obsessed with this brand. I feel like they're trying to ride a wave with this Olympic capsule. They didn't need to do it. No, I mean, I don't have any insight. I haven't, it's not like I've talked to anybody over there about it, but they did kind of like a smaller release with 2020 last year, and they had to carry over to make it work for 2021. So, you know, it probably wasn't their ideal situation. I'm not going to judge it. I think a lot of brands had much different activations ready to go last summer and, you know, really had to pivot and alter what they were doing. But look, look, like Kith is, I still think when it comes to like elevated menswear, if you want to call it streetwear, whatever you want to call it, like there's still some of the best, like I thought their summer campaign with uh, Adrian, whatever his name is from Entourage, like the clothing looked excellent. Adrian Green, the styling yeah. Was, yeah, the, the styling was excellent. All that stuff. My was boy, excellent. Vinny Chase. Yep. But yeah, they do a great job, but they also do a lot of licensing. And I think that's what a lot of like some of these smaller capsules you see, it is what it is. It's, you know, probably not their most innovative work, but there's still a demand for it. It's something they need to supply people with. People love it. No, no matter where you all are, if you pay attention, if you don't know what it is, just look more closely. If you see K-I-T-H on anyone under the age of 40, that's Kith. And trust me, they are printing money the way they're stacking them up and sending them out of the Soho store. As always, thank you all for listening. If you like it, like it. If you love it, share it. Put your people on so they can put their people on. We told you earlier, we talked about a poll. The summer's here. We want to make this show more about you 
and less about us. So one of my favorite things when I was growing up, we talked about it earlier, was Rap City to Basement. Yo, Brandon, you remember Hits from the Street when he would go out and Hits, the character, would interact with people on the streets of D.C. Yeah. Well, we're bringing that to the damn show. We're bringing what you heard from the streets. We want to hear your rants, your polls, your ideas, your thoughts, bring you all into the conversation of some of the things we've been talking about for the last three months. All you have to do, uh, sign the DMs, they're wide open. Send an audio file with your name, where you're from, your rant, and enjoy. We wanna hear everything. We're gonna get it started. Anything we've talked about in three months, but I'm proposing, this is the first one I'm going off on. Uh, walk up song. You're playing baseball, you walk to the plate, they play this song every time you come up. Brandon, what's your walk up song? Uh, my walk up song, I'm gonna keep the same one that I had uh, from college when I played uh, Shake Your Tail Feather, Diddy, Murphy Wee, those guys, you know, just kind of start off with that open chant. And it's just, it's kind of like a stadium song. So I'm, going completely, I'm going completely opposite. The Alan Parsons Project. doing the Bulls theme song? Yes, that <laughs> is correct. The Bulls intro from the 1990s. I, that, they still the, use it. Yeah, but it's not the same. You're right. You're the right. Same. And, and, and my intro, I have to have their, their PA guy, Ray Clay, do mm -hmm. from North Carolina. Like, that has to be in mind. Are you going to throw, like, a state on at the end? Is there going to be, like, a little audible, like, over top of it, where it's, like, him from North Carolina, and then it's you in the background state, like, real quick, just throw that in? <laughs> no, because, like, <laughs> he doesn't say University of North Carolina. He just says the state of North Carolina. Yeah. So yeah. it's the spin of If he said from UNC or University of North Carolina, then I'll be screwed. But Look from North you. You found a good Carolina. Loophole. I said you found a great loophole. Yeah, so that's, that's my walk-up. That track that loop greatest sound in sports especially if you're a basketball fan once again we'll see y'all back next week thank y'all enjoy mm -hmm.